Everybody said amen. Thank you, choir. Keeps me singing as I go. I'm going to make reference in a moment to Paul and Silas. You remember they had been chained up and were in prison. And they were there in the prison cell in Acts, the 16th chapter. And remember it says that they began to sing. They began to sing hymns and to praise God. And it says that all the other prisoners were listening to them. And, uh, and also the officers there in the jail. And I would love to know what hymns they were singing. I'd love to know those words and what tune and melody they were singing to keep me singing as I go. Last Sunday, I talked about healing. We had a specific healing service. We, we used the book of James 5. I want to make just quick reference to it in light of what I'm preaching on today. I'm going to continue to talk about faith and healing and believing and trusting God. And I'm going to do the next Sunday as well. So just a quick reference to last week. The sermon title was, Lord, Heal Me. The main scripture was James 5. I'll just make reference to it. It talked about healing, cleansing, faith, trusting in the one true God. James 5, James asked three questions of the church that he was pastoring. And I said we could ask these three same questions every Sunday. Is anyone among you suffering? The answer would probably be there probably is. It says, well, then let them pray. And, and then it was, is there anybody happy? Kind of like Connor Rice who came up joyfully. He's happy every Sunday. The Bible says let them sing songs. And then it asked the question, is anyone among you sick? And we could ask that question as well, and probably any given Sunday those three questions would be for real. James went on to expand on the fact that if he mentioned about the suffering and then especially about the sickness, he said, well, if you are sick, then call upon the elders, those who believe by faith, and anoint them with oil and pray over them. And, and then it says that the prayer of faith, so there's faith. We know faith is mixed and mingled into it for sure. The prayer of faith will save the sick. And they'll be forgiven if they've committed any sins. So we talked about that when Jesus looks at our lives, He always looks at the whole person. Spiritually, forgiveness. Physically, but mentally, psychologically, and our mind. He looks at the whole person. But then it specifically told us in James, pray for one another that you may be healed. We talked about that if there had been no other passage in the Bible but that one, that would have been enough for us to do what it said do. And we do it all the time. We pray for one another to be healed. We were honest in the sermon last week that we don't understand everything about healing. I'm on medicine for high cholesterol. I'm, uh, I've been on medicine because I have a damaged thyroid for 25 years. I'm grateful for the medicine. But I want to continue to talk about that we can pray and believe for miracles. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I don't understand anything about healing. I just know what the Word says. And we had communion, which reminds us that our God died for us. Jesus died on the cross. And He died in order to cleanse us. And I want you to remember the word cleanse. He cleansed us of our sins, but also to pour out His grace on all the wounds of our lives. And I said, and I'll say again, I am just one wounded healer among other wounded healers. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The text today comes to us from 2 Kings 5. It's 15 verses long. I hope that you will listen to it. Many of you are probably familiar with it. It's the story of a man by the name of Naaman. N-A-A-M-A-N. He is a commander of the army of the king of Syria. Just like the Syria that President Obama mentioned the other night. ISIS and all that's going on in that middle of the world. Same things were happening here. But the story begins in 2 Kings 5. Now Naaman, a commander of the army of the king of Syria, 
He was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of of valor, but he was a leper. He had leprosy. And the Syrians had gone out on raids. Sound familiar today? The Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. A young Israeli girl. I'm thinking she's probably a teenager. She's probably about 16 years old. Maybe 17, 18, but she's a young girl. We're not giving her name. I wish we were giving her name. But this young Israeli girl, she was taken captive, a POW, on the raids that had gone, and she happened to be in the house of Naaman. And so when she heard that Naaman had leprosy, in verse 2, the Syrians had gone out to raid, she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, she said to Naaman's wife, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria of Israel, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And so that she gives a word of testimony, a word of faith. If only, if only Naaman were there, he could be healed of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, because his wife went and told him, this young Israeli girl said, there's a prophet in Israel that can heal you of your leprosy. So he goes to the king. And Naaman went and told his master and said, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Well, well go now and I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and he took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. You ladies will be glad to hear that. Ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, and he tore his his clothes and he said, Am I God to kill and make alive? That this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? He's questioning. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. They're just kidding me on this. You're in the story. The king of Syria has sent a letter to the king of Israel on behalf of Naaman to be healed. He gets the letter to the king of Israel and says, What is he trying to pick a fight? Who am I, God, that I could heal this man of his leprosy? But then it goes on to say... So it was in verse 8 when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me. Let Naaman come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. And then Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. But you're going to notice that Elisha does not come out and meet him. Elisha, in verse 10, sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious, and he went away. And he said, Indeed, I said to myself, If he will surely come out to me, in other words, I'm the commander of the, of the Syrian army, this old boy ought to come out and met me face to face. How dare him send a messenger to me and tell me to do this? So he gets furious and angry. He will surely come to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. And then he goes on. He's still mad. Are not the Abanan and the Farah, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing them correctly, but the rivers of Damascus, Syria, are not those rivers better than all the waters of Israel? 
So he turned and he went away in a rage. And his servants came near to him and said, Naaman, Naaman, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he had a change of heart. He thought about it. Just like we do sometimes when it comes to our pride. He swallowed his pride. I looked up a little research. It was a 25-mile journey to where he went, to the Jordan River. So he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And listen to what it says. When he dipped seven times, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. And he returned to the man of God. That was the first miracle. Now here's the next miracle. He returned to the man of God, he and all of his aides, all of his servants that were with him. And he came and he stood before Elisha and he said, Indeed, now I know, I know that there is no God in all of the earth except in Israel. Now therefore, please take a gift from your servant. I want you to remember the word faith, the word pride, and the word cleansing. Faith, pride, and cleansing. This story in 2 Kings is about a miraculous healing and a miraculous cleansing of this man named Naaman, a Syrian commander, of his leprosy, but it is also a miracle of his heart. Now, miracles for us are usually something that happens instantly. Usually when we say a miracle happened, it's something that happened instantly or it happened quickly. And it cannot be explained other than that there is a God of miracles. That's the only way you can explain sometimes when there are miracles. Some of you could testify of miracles. I'm about to share one with you in my own life, something that happened instantly. But I want to point out to you that almost always when Jesus performed miracles, it was to point people to faith. Faith in God. And faith in the Son of God. There were times he can heal whenever he wants to, and he did. But many times it was for a purpose and for a plan to pull people to faith. We do not put our faith in miracles and in signs. That's not where we put our faith. In fact, the reason I say that, because Jesus even said, a perverse generation seeks after signs. What does he mean? Is he not the God of miracles? He is. But he says a perverse generation seeks after signs. So we don't want to seek after the signs and the miracles. We want to seek after the God of miracles. Because it's always about relationship with him. Whether the miracles come in the way we want or not, he's still God. And so Jesus was teaching and continues to teach us today that ultimately our cleansing is from and through Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you a story. And I want you to laugh, and, and you will. Y'all know I've quoted to you a fortune cookie that I got one time at a Chinese restaurant years ago, and I've remembered it to this day. He who laughs at himself laughs often, as you'll see. I was want to share a miraculous healing that happened to me 32 years ago. I had gone to a urologist, and they had told me I was going to have to have surgery. I'd gone to the surgeon. I'd already had the surgery set up. And uh, Lana and I were part of a journey group, a small group home Bible study, and Gordon Polk was the guy that was our facilitator, a member of our church, and 
Uh, that night I shared with Gordon. He knew I had gone to the doctor. He knew I was in a lot of pain. I was on some medications. So I was going to have surgery. And, and Gordon said, well, Harvey, do you care if we just pray for you tonight? And I said, no, that's great. And this was before I was a pastor. We were at Aldersgate United Methodist Church in Montgomery. Twelve, fourteen people gathered around me and laid hands on me. I'm going to just tell you what I experienced. When they laid hands on me, there was a, a sensation of God's presence that I, I felt and sensed within my own body. I felt a warmth or a heat go throughout my body. And I'm just telling you what I experienced. Not about any different miracles happened in different ways, but I felt a, a sense of heat and warmth go through my body. And I knew that God had touched me. I I, I I felt like I was healed, and by the time we got through the prayer meeting, I was in no more pain. I went to bed that night. I was still, Lord, I feel like you've healed me. I woke up the next morning. I still had no pain whatsoever, and I went to the surgeon because I worked at Baptist Medical Center in Montgomery, and I knew this surgeon. He was a Christian, and I told him what I just told you, and he said, well, praise the Lord. We'll just believe that you're healed. If you start hurting again, come back to me, and we'll reschedule the surgery. That's been 32 years ago. I hadn't had the surgery. But I was telling this story in a healing service. I was preaching a revival at Locust Fork, Alabama. Brother Fousey Payne was the preacher. And I usually in revival services, I have one night, I'll just preach on healing. And, and so I just shared the story that I just told you. But while I was preaching it, a very serious moment, I shared that I had gone to see a gynecologist. And I had about a response like we've got right now. There was some. But most of them didn't laugh out loud because I've set you up. But I'm just preaching. And I'm like three sentences downstream. And I realize because I can see people are laughing. Brother Fousey Payne is about to burst. And many of the older women are just. They're still like that. I'm like, did he just say he went to the gynecologist? And so I realized what I had said. And so, I mean, you know, I tried to recover. You know, so I just said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize. I really didn't go to a gynecologist. I went to a urologist. And so they just busted out laughing. I mean, it was over with. I mean, it was done. So I just preached on the healing of laughter. And I quoted from Proverbs, there are several passages, but one says that a merry heart doth the body good. And researchers and medical doctors will tell us today that just laughter and joy and happiness releases chemicals in us and, uh, uh, that, that brings about healing to us. There are endorphins that release Y'all didn't even know I knew those big words, but that really happens. They tell us that really happens. Well, the Bible already knew that. A merry heart doth the body good. So I went on and preached, and uh, by the grace of God, some people came to the altar for healing, but they also laughed a lot too. A captured POW, a captured young Israeli girl speaks a word and a testimony of faith about the one true God in Israel. Her convictions were both real and they were deep and she was not afraid to speak out. I'm thinking she probably had heard those stories. She had heard her mom and dad talk about the one God of Israel and her parents. And, and, and perhaps she had met Elisha. Perhaps she had seen one of the miracles that he had done. But she's not afraid to speak out and tells Naaman's wife, well, there's a, there's a prophet in Israel who can heal Naaman of his leprosy. And so she gives that one word and speaks out about her faith. Our inviting ministries have been encouraging us to take one of the classes, just walk across the room. It's about us having deep convictions about our faith and about our Jesus and just walk across the room and share Jesus with someone else. I hope you'll take one of those classes. That's all she did. She just walked across the room and shared about her God. 
And as a result, Naaman ends up in Israel because of this young Israeli girl's testimony. That's how it all started. God used that process of one believing in faith. So you know the story. The king gets a letter and he's all upset because how am I going to heal him? Elisha hears about it. So Elisha sends Naaman some simple instructions to go and wash in the Jordan River seven times. Naaman's angry because Elisha didn't come out and meet him. And then he says, why not the rivers of Syria? They're better than all the rivers and all the waters of, of Israel. So he's got some pride going on. Naaman becomes angry and furious at these simple steps. Listen to this. And he almost forfeits his cleansing because of his pride. He almost forfeits his cleansing because of his pride. Many people today never receive their cleansing. The cleansing of their sins through and by Jesus Christ because of pride. Let me ask you a personal question. Has or does pride keep you from receiving and me from receiving the things of God? Earlier in the week, this is kind of where this sermon took this direction. And I'll just tell you, I spent some time and I repented. I asked God to forgive me for my pride. And that I'm, I'm being honest with you because I ask you the question, has and does pride keep you from receiving things of God? Chances are, probably somewhere along the way it has. But I know it has for me. The Lord convicted me of that. I repented of it. I asked Him to forgive me for my pride. Because I know that, that the fall comes before that pride. And we know the Scripture we're in in Habakkuk. We don't want pride in our life. Has or does pride keep you from receiving the things of God? Naaman's servants, though, they come and they redirect his thinking and his attitude. And so Naaman, somewhere in there in that process, decides to humble himself. So he follows Elisha's instructions and receives a miraculous cleansing from his leprosy. The Bible tells us, And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. So he gets up out of that water and he's clean and... I can't imagine what he was thinking. And he looked at his skin and, and it was like that of a child. But then the next miracle happens. He goes back and he discovers the one true God. Now I know. Now I know that there is no God in all of the earth except in Israel. We listened to President Obama the other night. And ISIS and Iraq and Iran and Syria. Same same complication over there with all the problems. And I want to say this to you. I believe that when you narrow it all down in the Middle East, in the Middle East, and all that's going on, it boils down to the fact that there are people full of pride that will not accept that there's only one true God in Israel. It's still the problem. That's the issue. And I, I realize there's a lot more political things connected to it, but it really just boils down that they hate Israel and they will not bow to the one king in all the earth. They don't believe that the Messiah has come, that Jesus is the Christ. And so they won't get cleansed. They won't repent of their sins. But we know that it is by faith that we come. Many people today all over the earth will die unclean because of their pride. The Bible says we come in faith. We are believers. Hebrews 11.6 says, For without faith 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. And that He's a, he's a God who will reward those who diligently seek Him. How did, how did you come to know Christ? How did you get cleansed of your sins? You humbled yourself and you believed in the Christ of the cross. We humbled ourselves. We didn't let pride keep us from that. And we prayed, oh God, cleanse my heart. We came in faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Let me read something to you. Y'all know I like Max Licato. The title of it is called Fear and Faith. This key text is the one I mentioned earlier, Acts 16, 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and they were singing songs to God as the other prisoners listened. He goes on to say, great acts of faith. Great acts of faith are seldom born out of calm calculation. It wasn't logic that caused Moses to raise his staff on the bank of the Red Sea. It wasn't medical research that convinced Naaman to dip seven times in the river. It wasn't common sense that caused Paul to abandon the law and embrace grace. And it wasn't a confident committee that prayed in a small upper room in Jerusalem to believe that God would send the promise of His Spirit. It was a fearful, desperate band of backed-into-the-corner believers. It was a church with no options, a congregation of have-nots pleading for help. And never were they ever stronger. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God, and we got there because we're people of faith to believe. I'll close with this. Four things. I've already mentioned them, but I'll say them just a little differently. Four things to remember and to ponder. Number one, a word of faith spoken by a young Israeli girl started the process of this miracle and in this cleansing. Are you and I willing to share our convictions and our faith in Jesus with others? We know it's in the Word. We know that's what Jesus wants us to do. So why don't we just pray today, God, help us to share our faith in you with some folks who are unclean. The second thing, is pride hindering your faith? I think that's an honest question. You and the Lord work that out. Is pride hindering your faith? The third thing, just a reminder, our faith. Our faith is not in miracles, but in the God of miracles. And the fourth thing, do you need to humble yourself today? Do you need to humble yourself today and ask Jesus Christ to cleanse you of your leprosy. Let's pray. Father, your word today convicted me. And I realized perhaps it was just for me. But you pour on my heart to share this. And so, Lord, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters who maybe are dealing with prideful issues in their life that they'll repent of that. Lord, we know in Your Word that we're to pray for one another that You may be healed, and we can do that without understanding and knowing everything about healing because we don't. Let's just be honest, we don't. But we do need You. And when all else fails, 
when all else fails, you still are God. Help us to walk by faith, for you tell us in the Word over and over again that the just shall live by faith. So, Lord God, help us to respond to your Word today, however you may have spoken to each heart. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.